Well, it is a blessing to be here. Uh, I'm glad that it worked out. We were uh, questionable, you know, whether it was going to happen or not. But we actually, we leave back for the Philippines this Thursday. And uh, so we're so glad and excited that it worked out for, uh, for me to come up this weekend. And uh, I'm excited about today. I'm excited for just the opportunity that we have in the next few moments together and the possibilities that exist in this room right here, right now in the presence of the Lord. And, um, and so I just, you know, I was thinking last night, just the, uh, the history that we have in relationship with desert stream that we have in this house. Uh, you know, I don't think I've ever shared this before, but, uh, this, uh, desert stream is the first church that began to support us on the mission field. And, uh, and I think we were probably one of the first missionaries that you guys began to support. But uh, it was just real, I was just remembering that last night and it was just a, a, a real special thing, you know, to me uh, for all that the, the Lord has done over the years in relationship with this house. It's been incredible. You know, I've, I've treasured my relationship with Adam and Nikki and the, the way that the, the Lord just united our hearts, you know, being uh, both impacted greatly by the revival that was taking place in Pensacola, Florida. And, uh, and then just the relationship that continued to grow from that place, having come to the desert stream and meeting the Dowlings and just seeing how things have unfolded over the years. You know, one of our, we, we, we've, over the years, we've hosted many teams to the Philippines, but our favorite team to host is the team that comes from desert stream. <laughs> Just, just so you know, I've never said that to any church. Okay. You're probably thinking you probably say that to every church you go to. And, uh, so I just wanted to follow up with that. I've never said that, but we do. I I love the teams that come from desert stream. And, uh, and this church is actually as far as it is four days to get there, you know, four days to come home. It really doesn't take that long, but it feels longer than that. Um, in your traveling and it, it is, it's a long trip, but, uh, this church is actually taking, taking, uh, w- w- this is one of the churches that have taken the most trips to the Philippines to come labor with us, uh, in that nation. And so we're so thankful. And again, we enjoy when a, a team comes from desert stream. If you've never been on a missions trip, you want to go with Kevin because he knows how to have a good time in the nations. He really does. You may know him in this role, but where you need to know him is out there on the field out there in another nation. He, 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 he becomes a new man, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we, we are so thankful, you know, for all that you've partnered with there. There's a lot of new faces in this room today. You may not realize all that you've been a part of in the last almost 20 years, uh, that we've been a part of desert stream and that you've been a part of our, our lives and the ministry that God's called us to in the Philippines. I always want to be in the light. I always want to be in the light. There you go. Okay. I am a wanderer. And so I, I may get out of the light here in a minute, but okay. I'll sure. Lord help me. Um, but, uh, you know, over the years, this desert stream has been a part of, uh, so much that the Lord's blessed us to do in the Philippines. And, you know, for years we labored, uh, among a people that lived in a landfill and, you know, desert stream helped us 
build homes for those to, to bring the families out of the trash that we were ministering to. We built three dozen or more homes uh, through Desert Stream. I don't know if you realize that, but that's powerful because those homes still exist today and people are still living in those homes as simply as they were built. You know, all those years ago, they still, they still exist and they're still hosting families that live in them today. And so that was such a great blessing. You guys have helped us with livelihoods in that same community. You helped us irrigate drinkable water into a community that had no drinkable water. Um, you know, you helped us in that community. You helped us uh, build a church and a school uh, to where the children could receive an education uh, that in no, no other way would receive it. And, uh, you know, over the years, we've been a part of feeding hundreds, if not thousands and thousands of people in the Philippines, preaching the gospel, ministering in churches, having a discipleship training center where people are being raised up and sent out. And in these recent years, uh, Desert Stream has been with us in this journey of seeing the Father's heart expressed fully in and through our lives for the, the, the orphaned and for those that have been abandoned, neglected, abused. And, uh, and it's been the most wonderful journey. These last uh, 12 years have, have been life changing for me. You know, there's a lot of times in ministry, you know, where you see somebody encounter the Lord and you see the Lord doing something in their heart and their life and it so blesses you. You know, and you remember those moments and you remember those testimonies of how he moved upon a heart and touched and changed and transformed a person's life. But then there's moments where not only did a person receive of the Lord in a place of encounter with him, but in that moment, your heart was also touched and transformed and changed as well. And some of the greatest testimonies that I remember from the years of living for the Lord and life and ministry, some of the, the, the testimonies that I cherish the most are, and that I reflect on are ones that not only was someone impacted with an encounter in the presence of the Lord, but where my heart was touched and changed is transformed as well. You know, today, if you're in this place and you know, you have a need, you're, you're, you're facing great challenges or circumstances or situations, or perhaps you're in this room and you've never really encountered the love of God or the presence of God. And there's a, there's a cry in your heart. Maybe it's never come out of your mouth, but there's something on the inside of you that's longing to encounter the reality of who he is. I want to, I want to ask you this morning, Listen, don't leave this place without having received prayer, without having come to that place of responding to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. It's important for us to have these moments of encounter when we're gathered together, whether we're together or we're, you know, we're just encountering the Lord as we go about life, but it's important that we respond. Our responsibility to the Lord is response. That's it. He does everything else, but we are responsible to respond to him. And if he's drawing us to a place of encounter, we, we are responsible to respond. And in those moments, it can be so sweet and it can be so impactful in our hearts and our lives, but it's taking that moment and bringing it to a place where you give what you receive in those moments that really brings transformation to our lives. It's in that place of giving. It's in that place of letting go what we've received from the Lord. In these moments where we have in gatherings together like this, where people respond and they're being touched perhaps at the altar, or maybe somebody's getting prayer or something's going on right there in, in the congregation. You know, those are powerful moments, but it's when we take those moments 
and we take it from this place and we begin to give out of that encounter. We begin to give out of that moment and we begin to sow that into someone else's heart, someone else's life, someone else's situation. It's those moments that begin to bring a greater transformation in our heart and life than we could ever dream or imagine. It's in that place of giving. You know, we have the privilege this side of eternity to live, to give. We really do. And we wouldn't have anything to give if we hadn't received anything, but we've received more than we could imagine. And we'll never outgive the resource of what we've been given. But it's in that place of giving what we've received that real transformation begins to take place in our heart and our life. And those moments in my life and my walk with the Lord that I remember where my heart was so deeply touched. And I know from that moment until present, my life was changed, was when I was giving something that I had received. Now I can remember times when I, when I was on the carpet and tears were streaming, you know, and people were praying for me or prophesying over me. I can remember those moments because there have been many. You know, I'm hungry for the Lord. I'm, you know, as our, we were singing that song, my heart burns for you. You know, the, the place that he longs for us to be is in that continual place of burning, that continual place of longing and hunger. And when we're in that place of hunger, he brings us to moments of encounter. And so I do, I remember those from the years past. But the ones that I look back and point to as points of transformation was through acts of giving. It was by giving something that I have received. And in those moments, something took place in my heart and my life that from that moment until now has never been the same. It's in that place of release. It's in that place of giving. You know, we can be as, as simple as, you know, in this house, you may be volunteering and giving yourself in some way to serve the needs of this house. And in those moments, the Lord brings you into divine moments, divine opportunities in that place of giving, in that place of serving. That you'll look back from year, years from now, you'll look back and you'll look at that moment of that encounter, that opportunity to give, to sow, to serve in some way. It touched your heart in such a way that it transformed your life in the way that you live from that point forward. It's such a privilege that he's given us to give out of what we've received. And it's in those moments that brings great transformation, great transformation. We've been privileged to see many people's hearts and lives touched and transformed in the goodness of God. And what we've seen over these last 12 years has been so rewarding and satisfying to me in a place of ministry. We've been privileged to be a part of a lot of different kinds of ministry. But these last 12 years, there's been nothing more satisfying to me than seeing sons and daughters raised up, to seeing the fatherless loved and cared for and valued and honored, to see them encounter the presence and the love of God, to see their hearts respond to him and allow him to heal them in a way that only he can and to transform them in a way that only he can. You know, over these last 12 years, we've, we've labored in the Philippines to see uh, a ministry unfold that, that we call hope for all children because there is hope for all children. There really is. But a lot of that hope resides in us. It's a responsibility that we have to give what we received. It was in a place of the Lord speaking to my wife and I about his heart concerning the orphan that we responded. And everything that he's led us into with Hope for All Children began to unfold. But it was by that point of encounter, him showing us something that we had not seen, us hearing something that we had not heard, 
us coming into the knowledge of something that we hadn't known before and responding to him in that moment that he began to lead us in the place that we're seeing children's hearts touched and lives changed. But there is hope. There's hope for the orphaned of the world. There's hope for the children that are being trafficked in the nations and in this nation and throughout the world. There's hope for them. He's the hope. And we're the ones that have the blessed privilege of carrying that hope to those around us, to the world around us. And I'm always amazed out of all these years of ministry, and I've not ministered as long as Kevin and, uh, and Sherry, and I've not ministered as long as perhaps some of you in this room. But I tell you, out of all the years of ministry that I have been privileged to minister before the Lord and serve before the Lord, it never ceases to amaze me how quick the work of Holy Spirit is in a person's heart when they respond to him. How miraculous the touch of God is on people's hearts and lives. How quickly burdens are released. How quickly sins are washed away. How quickly transformation takes place. All it takes is a moment of response and a moment of surrender. That's it. Isn't it? It's miraculous to me. It really is. And we see it takes place in the children's lives that the Lord's blessed us to take in. We, we take in girls uh, who have uh, been trafficked. Uh, some of them have been trafficked by their own parents uh, where they have been sold into sex slavery. Um, and you know, a child coming in that have experienced betrayal uh, from their own family, having been uh, just uh, abused or, or, or sold into sex slavery for the benefit of profit or the benefit of gain. You know, those children coming into to Hope for All Children, we've been told by a lot of organizations and a lot of uh, people who have thoughts concerning what can be done with these children. And we've had a lot of people tell us that they're always going to have problems. There's always going to be something that they're dealing with. They're not, they're, this is a trauma that, that you really, you just learn to navigate through, but you'll never see it completely restored. And if you take Jesus out of the equation, I would absolutely agree. But when you bring these children to Jesus, all things are possible. And he begins to move in their heart, move in their life, and he does what only he can do. All we have to do is give opportunity for him to come. And for him to move upon the hearts of those that so desperately need his presence, his love, the encounter that he brings for them, with them, in them, and through them is miraculous. And we've seen the girls come into us who have been betrayed by their own parents and family and have been in situations that you and I can't imagine. And we've seen the Lord bring them through a place of absolute healing and restoration to the point where girls that we have who have been betrayed by their families, who have been abused by their families, they'll be in times of intercession where tears are streaming down their face, praying that their dad or that their mom would encounter the love of God, that their dad or their mom would encounter the reality of who he is. And they're, they're praying in this way in a place of intercession, not so that their parents would be touched and so that their parents would come to them and ask them for forgiveness. No, they're praying for them because they realize the change that has taken place in their heart and their life. And that no more were they worthy of what God has done. Their, their parents are no more worthy either, but there's a desire there for their parents to experience and encounter 
the love of Christ, the love of God that can touch your heart and transform any life. Only the Lord can do that. Only the Lord can take a young girl who has been sexually abused, sold into sex slavery by her parents. Only the Lord can bring her to a place where she's interceding with tears for the transformation of her family. Not because she's not complete and not because she's not whole and she needs her parents to come to her and ask her for forgiveness. No, she's already complete. She's complete in him. She's not laboring in that place of intercession and prayer, hoping that her parents would be changed so it would make her feel better. No, she knows. She knows that they desperately need the Lord as she desperately needed the Lord. And we see this time and time again with these girls that the Lord has blessed us to bring in. And it's amazing. It's incredible to see them not only encounter the Lord and surrender their hearts and lives to him, but to see him begin to raise them up in their gifting and their calling, to see them leading worship, to see them behind settings like this, preaching and teaching the word. It's, it's incredible to me. I'm just, I'm continually amazed at what the Lord has done in these children's lives and the great destiny that they have set before them. It is a privilege. I'm telling you, it's an absolute privilege. And you've been a part of that desert stream. You have. And we may not realize all of what we've given to and sown into and what we've been a part of this side of eternity. But I'm telling you, there's coming a day where you will, when you will be approached by people in eternity that will come up to you and you will know them and they will know you by the Spirit. And you will know in that moment, in that time, how significant it was in the sacrifice, in the place of prayer, in the place of giving, in the place of being available to the Lord, how significant that was this side of eternity. We won't realize it until then, I don't believe. There's so many ways that our lives impact other people as we just live in obedience to the Lord, as we give what we've received. Sometimes we gauge the fruitfulness by what we see, by what we hear, and by what we feel. But I guarantee you, a life lived for the Lord has far greater impact than we'll ever know this side of eternity. But unless we keep our eyes fixed on eternity, we won't give all of what we've received because we will live by what we see, hear, and feel. But the Lord's desiring for us, his people, to, to come to that place once again of full surrender, that we say, Lord, my life is yours. I've been touched, changed, and transformed. Everything that I have, all that I am belongs to you. Wherever you want to take me, whatever you want to do in me and through me, here's my life. I'm going to present myself before you, whether I'm here or far. I'm going to give, I'm going to serve. I'm going to, I'm going to stay in that place of hunger for you because I know that, that, that what you've called me to is a, about a lot more than what I can see here and feel. It's about a lot more than, than establishing something this side of eternity. It's about a lot more than just what I can see in my lifetime. I believe that he's called us to sow in such a way that it impacts generations to come. And the way that we get into that place of giving, in that place of surrender for him to move in us and through us and do what only he can do is to stay in that place of hunger for his presence. I'm telling you, nothing's impossible in this room. Nothing. Nothing's impossible. For any person, any individual in this room that's hungry, you're hungry for the Lord. You will leave touched and changed. It's impossible to come before the Lord in a place of hunger and desire and even desperation and leave the same. The Lord loves the hungry. In ministering the crowds of people, the hungry always left satisfied. Always. 
He loves it when we remain hungry before him. Because in that place of hunger, we remain surrendered. And in that place of surrender, the Lord is able to move in us and through us and do what only he can do. My daughter, Zoe, who's not here with me this morning, she, she made a video uh, of about three minutes long. And it's about three minutes of smiles and laughter and joy uh, that the children, Hope for All Children, experience all the time. They really have experienced and encountered the Lord in such a way, and he's restored a place of innocence and purity, and they love life. They're in a place of, of wonderful discipleship. They're in a place of wonderful encounter, and they're in a place of community where they're surrounded by people that love them. And, uh, and so I just I want to show that video to give you an idea of, uh, of where we're at right now in the hearts and lives of the children that you're sowing into uh, as a fellowship, as a church. And, um, and so we're going to show that, and then we'll continue on from there. I'm looking at a masterpiece staring at a work of art I'm listening to a symphony In every beat of your tiny heart You used to be a choice to make Now I think you've chosen me I see ten fingers, ten toes, two eyes, and I know this is meant to be.
know, our, our community, we, for the last 22 out of the 24 years that, um, that we've come to the Lord, we've, we've either lived with people or people have lived with us. Uh, so we've, during the course of that time, you know, there was one season where we lived with four other families. <clears throat> when the Lord called us to uh, the Philippines, we gathered together with four other families that went with us and we shared one home together, one kitchen, one laundry, you know, not one restroom, thank God. Um, but we, uh, we, we, over the course of the last uh, 24 years, a lot of that life that we've had in the Lord has been in a place of relationship, in a place of exchange, in a place of being challenged. And where iron sharpens iron, we've, we've experienced that and have walked in that and continue to give ourselves to that because there, there's something to giving yourself in such a way that you're going to be challenged. You can't hide. You can't run from who you really are, what's going on in your life. You know, but the Lord loves that when we give ourselves one to another in a place of relationship that really brings about a transformation in the likeness of Jesus. You know, years ago, I, 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 was, I was crying out to the Lord and I was like, Lord, I want to love like you love. I, I, I want to have compassion like you have compassion. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me, said, you'll never have compassion like I have compassion unless you're willing to embrace who I'm willing to embrace, unless you're willing to give in the way that I'm willing to give. And this place that he's called us to in the body of Christ is a whole lot more about relationship than what we've imagined. But it's in that place of relationship that the greatest transformation takes place in our heart and our life. And I believe that he's longing for the body of Christ to get back to this place where we live in this revelation and understanding that he's called us to a family. He's not called us to church. He's called us to a family. After having lived in, in a place of ministry and pursuing the things that the Lord has set before us for several years, my wife and I spent a season at Bethel in Redding, California. And during that season, I was just in the backyard. The kids were playing and they were jumping on a trampoline. I was raking some leaves and, uh, and I just began to give thanks to the father for the season that he brought us into there at Bethel. And I was just thanking him for the moments that we had together as a family and the time that I've had with my children. You know, the years prior to that was really intense in a place of ministry. And, uh, and the Lord had brought us into a season of, of rest, and he brought us into a season of encounter and grace. And, uh, and in that place, I was just so thankful, and I was just releasing that to the Father. And he spoke to me so clear, and it has aligned the course, I believe, of my life and the destiny that he set over us in this revelation, this understanding. As I was thanking him concerning everything that he was doing in our family, he said, everything that I've called you to in life and ministry is to be established on this understanding that it's all about family. It's all about relationship. It's all about giving ourselves in such a way that he can bring the likeness of Christ in and through our lives. Not just behind a pulpit, not just in places of, of, uh, of coming into gatherings like this where we're together for just short moments but a place where we begin to live in such a, a vulnerable way, one with another, 
that the Holy Spirit is, is able to speak to us and lead us and guide us into the transformation that we long for when we come to know Jesus. You know, in that place of encounter with the Lord, when I came to the place of surrendering my heart and life to Christ, and I felt waves of his love washing over me, in that place of surrender, I didn't care about anything else in this world. How many of you can relate to that? If you've ever had a real life-changing encounter with the Lord, you can relate. Because in that place, there's no other response that we have. When we encounter the greatness of his love and the greatness of who he is, and we come into that place, there is no other response, but I don't want to ever lose this. I don't want to ever live apart from this. I don't want to ever go back to wherever I came from. I don't want to pursue what I was pursuing. I just want you. I just want you. And in that place of surrender, he is able to, to speak to us in such a way that we would give him whatever he requires of us. And when we live intentional in that place of relationship, the Holy Spirit continues to lead us in that transformation of Christ-likeness. In that place of giving what we may have not realized that we've not given yet. In that place of surrendering what we realize we may not have surrendered yet. I remember after that moment of surrendering my heart and life to Christ, going from that moment, how the Lord began to deal with me concerning the relationships with people that I had from that point forward. He began to speak to me about my relationship with my dad, who I did not grow up with, and who through many of my years before coming to know Christ, I didn't have good feelings towards. In fact, there was probably a hatred and a bitterness that I had towards my dad before coming to Christ. And it was in that place of coming to the Lord and submitting to the Lordship of Christ and the leading of the Holy Spirit that he began to deal with me about my heart concerning my dad. And it's in that place that he began to expose things that I didn't see in that moment of surrender, that I didn't see in that moment of encounter with the Lord when I surrendered my heart and life to him. I didn't see these things that he was now revealing to me. But it was because I had set myself in a place of being intentional about pursuing his heart and intentional about pursuing a right relationship with those that he's placed around me. And so I communicated with my dad and I got my heart right with him. And, and from there, there was just many things that the Lord began to deal with. My past before I came to Christ and the stories that I told my wife that weren't true. You know, he began to deal with the foundations of lies that were established in my relationships with other people. And when he began to deal with these things, is during the time that I was living life with other people. Having to be challenged to see things that I would not normally see and feel things that I would not normally feel. Those are uncomfortable moments, but those moments bring eternal change. We need one another. We really do. We need one another to really come to the places of longing and desire that we have for the Lord when we come to know him. We have to be intentional about our relationships, not only with him, but with one another. You know, after traveling in the States for some months now, you know, there's, a, there's, a, always, there's always hunger. Everywhere you go, there's people that are hungry and pressing in for the presence of the Lord, for the, the will of God to be fulfilled in and through their life. But over these months of traveling in the States, one of the things that I've seen as well is the brokenness in relationships. The disconnect. 
the distance that's between the father generation and the son generation. The separation of people that used to be friends and used to run with together now are no longer friends and never, never with each other. Marriages that have been broken, families that have been broken. Church, we need one another. We need each other. I just, I believe today, you know, I had a lot of things on my heart and the Lord was speaking to me and I have notes and all those things that are important for when you preach at a church. It kind of helps, you know, if you have a desire to, to have eloquent speech and, you know, I don't, I don't care about that. But what I do care about is that the Lord would move in our hearts and our lives and bring us to a deeper place of knowing him. And this morning as we were in worship and and just what the Holy Spirit's stirring in my heart right now is that he's wanting to ignite something fresh in our hearts for this place of relationship, for this place of being restored rightly unto him and being restored one to another. This place where we begin to let go of the things that have held us back from giving ourselves fully, not only to him, but to one another to let the past be washed by the blood of Jesus and to move forward in the things of God without the past ever holding us back again. All of us have stories. All of us have situations and hurts and and betrayal that we've probably gone through in life. But your past does not dictate your future. Past failures do not dictate your future. Past experiences do not dictate your future. How we respond today dictates how the Lord is able to move in us and through us today. How we respond tomorrow will determine the same. But as we respond rightly to the Lord, he'll lead us in this place of restoration. He'll lead us back to this place that he's always called us to dwell. You know, I was just thinking this morning as we was worshiping, you know, in the Old Testament, you see broken relationships from the beginning until the New Testament. Fathers didn't know how to be fathers. Mothers didn't know how to be mothers. Brothers didn't know how to be brothers. You see it all through the old covenant. There was, there was such a brokenness in identity and the roles that he called us to live in one with another. And it was in Malachi that we're given the promise that he was going to restore the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the children's hearts back to the father. And that began at the cross. It began when our hearts were restored rightly to the Father. We now have the ability to be restored rightly one unto another. And everything from that moment until now was about the restoration of relationship. And it's the very thing that I believe in this moment, in this time, is under such great attack. Is this place of relationship that he's called us to live in. Not only with him, but to live in one with another. But I believe as well the Holy Spirit speaking to hearts... He's causing us to hunger rightly before him for the very thing that he's destined us to walk in. The very thing that he's destined us to represent, to model, to to give to the world around us is this place of not only being restored rightly to the Father, but being restored to those that he's placed in our life right here, right now. And in that place is a beautiful expression of love that is not manufactured of the world, but is of him. And it's when the world sees that we love one another, then they know the reality really of who he is and what he does. It's by our love one for another.
that the world will really know that we follow him because he's the only one that can enable us to love the way that he loves and give the way that he gives. Outside of him, there's a, a brokenness. There's a, a dysfunction in our giving. There's a dysfunction in our relationship one with another. But when our hearts are made right with him, he begins to restore how we're to respond to those around us, how we're to give, how to serve, how to we're to honor those that he's placed in our lives and around us. And it's in that place that's the most beautiful place of transformation that we'll ever experience this side of eternity. In that place of giving what we've received. In that place of being conformed all the more in the likeness of Jesus. I know that, that, that there's ones in this room that are hungry. I know that I, I feel it in this atmosphere. I feel a place of hunger in this room. Where you've, you're thankful for what the Lord's done in your heart and your life to this point. But there's a hunger on the inside of you that wants more. And I believe that that's essential for us to yield to the Lord, to have, for him to have his way in us and through us, that we have to present ourselves hungry to him. You can't stop a hungry man. A hungry man's not bound by fear. He's not bound by anything, really. He's bound by one thing, and that's the desire to consume what it is that he's hungry for. The Lord wants us hungry. He wants us hungry to press in, to break through, to not live in a state that he's not really destined us to live in a state of brokenness, a state of being disconnected, a state of being separated one from another, a state where people are maintaining their hurts and even their relational dysfunctions because they're not challenged to deal with what's really going on inside. Because we can separate ourselves one from another, we can stay apart. Even the world is telling us, distance yourself six feet apart just so you don't get close enough to touch one another. Don't get close enough to to speak to one another. Wear a mask over your face so that you can't clearly hear what someone else is saying to you. There's so many things that have taken place in the world and all of it has brought a greater separation when the Lord's called us to draw together. When the Lord's called us to be one with another. I'm telling you, church, there's such a work that I believe the Lord's doing in the body of Christ, drawing our hearts not only more near to Him, but drawing our hearts more near to one another. There's a place of restoration that I believe Holy Spirit is bringing us into. And we've seen it in the lives of these children. We've seen him do what only he can do. But it's living in a place of intentional relationship that has brought that place of transformation to reality. It's when we live intentional in our relationship with one another that we'll begin to experience places of transformation that we've only dreamed about, that we've longed for but he brings about as we live life one with another in the body of Christ. We need each other. We need each other. When I came to the Lord, I didn't realize how much I needed Kevin. I didn't realize how much I needed Adam. I didn't realize how much I needed those around me going through life. But having walked with the Lord, I realized that the points of my greatest transformation in the Lord has come because of the rubbing against one another. It's in that place that he begins to define us, refine us, smooth us in areas where we're rough and unable to rightly engage in relationship one with another. It's in that place that he begins to bring about the likeness of Jesus because of our relationships one with another. I 
I want to share uh, just uh, a story from the Old Testament. As Kevin's looking at his watch, I start to, I feel a little, I feel a little nervous. Sorry, the message that I had prepared was only 15 minutes. But because I'm going off script, I'm thinking that, you know, I probably have a little bit longer. Now I'll close with this. In the Old Testament, there's a king named Hezekiah. Those of you that have been walking with the Lord for some time, you probably are aware of the story of King Hezekiah. And King Hezekiah was acknowledged as a righteous king. He was likened to David. He was the son of a wicked king, Ahaz. Ahaz was uh, an idolatrous and evil king. But when Hezekiah became king, he resolved in his heart to set things right in Judah. And he began to restore what needed to be restored and reform what needed to be reformed. And he began to see a revival take place in Judah. There was a real move, I believe, of God's spirit in that time that brought people's hearts back to a place of being fixed on the Lord. And it was after 14 years of seeing a place of reviving take place in Judah and restoration take place in Judah, that Hezekiah finds himself at what looks to be the end of his life. You remember this story? Isaiah comes to Hezekiah and he says, get your house in order for you're about to die. And he begins to leave and Hezekiah turns to the wall and he begins to intercede and he begins to pray in a place of brokenness. And before Isaiah is even able to get out of the courtyard of where King Hezekiah was, the Lord spoke to him to go back to Hezekiah. And so he goes back to Hezekiah and he tells Hezekiah that the Lord has heard your prayers and seen your tears and he will lengthen the number of your days. And he extended his life for how long? 15 more years, 15 more years. But the Bible says in Chronicles, and I think it's 32, that Hezekiah did not repay the kindness of the Lord. He did, not, he did not show the measure of thankfulness that he should have showed considering the, the measure of kindness that he was given from the Lord. And the Lord tested his heart. And so there were princes that came to him from Babylon and Hezekiah showed them all that was in the palace and held nothing back from their sight. And Isaiah came back to Hezekiah and he said, what did, you, what did you show these men? And Hezekiah said, I didn't withhold anything from them. I showed them all of the treasuries, everything that is, is, is here. They've seen it all. And Isaiah begins to prophesy a prophetic judgment over Judah, over Hezekiah's own household, and over the descendants that would come from his very own loins. And Hezekiah, at the end of this prophetic judgment, responds in a way that is so grieving to me. And he said, at least there will be peace and safety in my day. I often wonder what would have happened if Hezekiah would have responded to the Lord in the same way that he responded when it was concerning his own life. I wonder what kind of reaction would have taken place by the Lord as it did when it concerned his own life, his own health. If he would have responded in a place of brokenness and, and begin to cry out for the children that he, not, he didn't even have yet, 
What, how would the Lord would have responded to him? Hezekiah in that moment was self-absorbed. At least peace and safety will exist in my day. And I, I feel like we're in a moment where that self-absorption has to be broken off the body of Christ. Where Hezekiah had an opportunity to prepare his son to, to take the throne at 12 years old, he failed. And Manasseh was not only the longest reigning king in Judah, he was one of the most evil and wicked kings that Judah ever had. But he had 12 years to prepare his son to take the throne, but he failed in this place of being able to prepare him and to give what he had received so that he could run with the call, the mandate that he would have as king. Instead, he was self-absorbed. He was concerned for himself, lost sight of that place of being blessed to give what he had received. He was only concerned about his own welfare. Church, I believe that we're living in a day where life has never been better. And we can talk about the oil prices and the politics and all the things that are uncomfortable about this moment in this season. But we live in a day where the pleasure of man far surpassed any day in past history. We live in a day where we experience luxury and we experience comfort more so than any generation that's ever lived before us. And friend, it has caused us to be more concerned about how our lives are affected today as opposed to how our children are going to face the battles that they face. We are concerned with our peace, our safety, and in that our children are being left in the wake of our self-absorption. I believe the Lord is wanting to break that off of our hearts and our lives, our minds, our thoughts, our pursuits, our plans, and bring us back into a place that we live to give. That we realize we have but a moment, but an opportunity to give what we've received. And in that place of relationship, the Lord is able to do what only he can do. But we need a move of God's spirit to shake what needs to be shaken and break what needs to be broken so that we can continue to run with the call that he set before us as his bride, as his church. There's so much that we have to give collectively in this room. There's no question that the world around us could be absolutely changed and transformed. That's not the question. The question is, will we live to give what we've received? Will we consider the generation that he's given us a privilege to pour into, not how it affects our life, but how it will affect theirs, how it affect their children's children. Listen, we only have a moment. Our life in light of eternity is but a breath. Kevin's saying, I wish your message was but a breath. <laughs> I'm making light, but the reality is, is that, that the Lord is drawing us into this place that whatever's kept us from living in, in a reality that he's called us to live in, in relationship one with another, the walls that we've built up that keep us from giving to those around us, the, the mindsets that keep us from sacrifice because it costs us more than we're willing to give, those things that keep us from serving in the way that we can serve and giving in the way that we give or could give, he's wanting to break those things off of us so that we can live afresh with the plan and purpose and the pursuits that he set before us divinely over our lives so that he will be glorified in and through us. And so this morning you may be here and you're, you, you may be sitting in this place and listen, all of us in this room have faced challenges. 
But again, I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to minister to you. If there's areas where you know that you've been limited in giving, that you've been limited in your hunger, a good place to start is, Lord, make me hungry. I want to be hungry again. I don't want to live in this state for the rest of my life and call it normal. I want to live where you've called me to live. I want to give the way that you've called me to give. I want to do what you've called me to do. And so, Father, I ask that you'd light my heart afresh again. That you would. That, 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 that wouldn't be a song that I'm just singing because it's sung in the sanctuary, but that would be a song that I'm singing because my heart burns for you. I want to live in that place of my heart burning for you. And so you may be here this morning. You may be, I, I don't, my heart's not been burning. I've not been hungry. But I want to be hungry. I want to, I want to come back to that place where he does become everything about my life where he is the one that I live for. And if you're here in this place and the Holy Spirit's drawing you to that place, the Holy Spirit will break off what needs to be broken off and remove what needs to be removed. If you're here in this room and you've had trouble relating to those that God's placed in your life and you've had trouble giving in those relationships that he's called you to sow into, I believe this morning that Holy Spirit is bringing a place of restoration so that you can walk rightly, not only in your relationship with him, but one with another. Listen, he's faithful. If we would just respond when he's drawing us to a place of responding, that's all we have to do. That's it. He does the rest. Would you stand with me this morning? I know there's some amazing people in this house that move in places of the prophetic compassion and that would love to pray with you if you respond this morning to the Lord. But before we move on, I, I, I do feel of the Lord that, that you're to have that opportunity. If you're here this morning without music because there's none playing, you know, it's kind of a real moment. It doesn't have to be hyped up. There, hasn't, there doesn't have to be anything special. All we need is the Holy Spirit. But if Holy Spirit's speaking to your heart in such a relational way and he's drawing you to himself in a place of response, I want to encourage you, just respond and let the Lord do in you and through you what only he can do because he will. If he touches your heart, your life is going to change. If he draws you to a place of encounter, your life will never be the same. But we do have to respond to him. And so I want to open up the altars this morning. If you want prayer, if you're in a place where you're longing for breakthrough and you're in a situation where you know the Lord has to move in your life or there's no way that you're going to find yourself navigating through this moment, this season, listen, he's here for you. He's desiring to move in your life and do what only he can do. Thank you, Lord. Can we pray? Father, I thank you for this fellowship. I thank you for each person in this room. And I pray, Father, right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that our eyes would see what only you can enable us to see and our ears hear what only you can enable us to hear. I pray, Father, that our hearts would respond rightly to you this morning and that there would be such a sense of great grace in this room that all we have to do is respond to you and you do the rest. It's not by our might or our power but it is by your spirit. And so I do pray, Holy Spirit, that we would, we would respond to you and allow you to do what only you can do. Listen, if you're in this room and you are being drawn to a place of prayer, I want to ask you to come this morning. Is there anyone here?
If you're like, Lord, I, I do. I need, a, I need an encounter. I need to be touched this morning. It may be mental. It may be physical. It may be emotional. It may be relational. But the Holy Spirit, there's no doubt that you have that the Holy Spirit's drawing you to a place of encounter, drawing you to a place of restoration. Listen, don't, don't hesitate with the Lord. I'm, I'm not going to sit here this morning and try to, try to draw you to this place, but all you have to do is respond. If there's some measure of brokenness that you've experienced in relationship with somebody else in this room, listen, be intentional right now with going to that individual and praying with them. Step out, take a risk, and watch and see what the Lord will do, what only He can do. But don't live in a state of brokenness. Don't live in a state of offense because you don't have to. You don't. No matter what you've gone through, you don't have to live in that place. Just let Him move upon your heart and do what only He can do. Is there anyone else? The Lord's drawing you to this place to receive prayer. Anyone else? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Listen, you're welcome to come. You're welcome to receive. Even as these are being prayed for, if Holy Spirit is drawing you to this place of, of receiving, of laying something down, don't resist the Lord. He's bringing you to a place of transformation. Let Him do what only He can do. Let Him have His way.